It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Today, we're going to get you started with injury updates because there are significant updates from both sides of the Bengals' Week 6 matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. We will continue with our weekly crossover episode, this time joined by Locked On Colts' Evan Sidery, and he and James talk a little bit about what's interesting and what's different with the Colts this year as the Bengals go up I-74 for their frequent interstate rivalry with the Colts. Then we wrap up with a little bit more Joe Goodberry as our conversation shifts toward looking toward the future, long-term future, 2021 and beyond, to wrap up this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. But James, let's get started with today and the now and some injuries on both sides of this week six matchup. James, let's get started with the Bengals injuries today before we take a look at what's going on for the Colts because there are some very significant injuries on both sides of this matchup that will have an impact on game day if things shake out the way they look today. And obviously Wednesday's practice does not usually predict what will happen on game day. But when you look at the Bengals, you've got Darius Phillips missing practice with a shoulder injury. Sam Hubbard, we know will be out with the elbow injury. Auden Tate shows up on the injury list with a shoulder injury. Mackenzie Alexander is limited with the hamstring. Giovanni Bernard limited with the groin injury. And AJ Green, who Zach Taylor says is expected to practice on Thursday, was limited on Wednesday with a hamstring. How about that? A.J. Green, limited in practice, misses almost an entire half of football. Then today, before practice, Zach's like, yeah, he's not going to go today. Normal Wednesday day off. He'll practice on Thursday. Then he's listed as limited. So I went from not expecting A.J. Green to play this week to fully expecting him to be suited up on Sunday. Now, we'll see what happens on Thursday, but I I think that that's a, a really interesting development, Jake. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, it brings up questions, right? How much of this is A.J. Green's frustration versus how much of this is a legitimate and serious precautionary treatment of an A.J. Green potential hamstring issue? Probably a little bit of both. I don't know that they would just pull him from a game if he's frustrated. I don't know. They went into halftime and they came out of halftime and A.J. Green wasn't on the field anymore. Is it 100% precautionary? I don't know. Is he clearly frustrated? Yes. 
does that indicate that that's why they pulled him out of the game? No, so we're speculating, but it is pretty suspect that, I don't know if suspect is the right word, but interesting, maybe maybe that is the better word that you use, that he's already just ready to go when he's just immediately rolled out as doubtful in the game on Sunday and now he's back and, and Zach seems very unconcerned. Yeah, I, I want to give these guys truth serum and figure out what it was. Look, if it's Green's just pissed off, well, I watched Chad Johnson get pissed off for a decade. And as long as you're performing, people can deal with that. And obviously Green hasn't performed this year, so we'll see. But I literally went from thinking that he was out this week for sure to thinking he's going to play this weekend. And speaking of that, just sticking with the receivers, you mentioned Auden Tate. I don't remember him hurting his shoulder, and maybe it was something he felt after the game. But the fact that he didn't practice on Wednesday, certainly something to monitor. But the one that stands out the most, and honestly the one I'm worried about, Darius Phillips. I hope he's at least limited Thursday. Because Darius Phillips, we know about his ball skills and how well he played on Sunday against the Ravens. I have a feeling this could be a huge game going against Phillip Rivers. And I want him out there because I think with his ball skills, he has a chance. He's going to have a chance to make an interception or two. The most significant thing to me there, and I'm not worried about it yet, but I will be, I agree, if he doesn't practice tomorrow, is that if Phillips is out, that means that they're down Trey Waynes, Darius Phillips, and potentially Mackenzie Alexander as well as he's dealing with a hamstring injury for a third straight week. Let's take a look at the other side of the ball. For the Indianapolis Colts, who will be hosting the Bengals this week, they've got some significant injuries on their list as well. And most notably is really the leader of that defense, I think. Maybe not the best player now that they've got DeForest Buckner, but a very good player in Darius Leonard. They're all rookie, all pro linebacker who comes into the league, sets it on fire. Justin Houston, the other pass rusher on this team, really, besides DeForest Buckner, mispracticed with a hip injury. Mo Ali Cox was on PFF's first quarter all pro team, and he didn't practice with a knee injury. So that's three pretty significant guys that didn't practice Wednesday, all for injury-related reasons. And Anthony Costanzo, one of the Colts' tackles, was limited with a rib injury. So a lot of guys that you have to keep an eye on on both sides of the ball here that have an impact in game planning and in performance if they don't play. Absolutely, especially I, I look at Leonard. That's the one to pay attention to in Houston. If the Bengals could somehow and this is selfishly and you don't wish for injuries, but avoid even Leonard. That changes things for for an offense that certainly is trying to get on track this week. Justin Houston, what do the Bengals struggle with? Pass blocking, keeping Joe Burrow upright. If he's even less than 100%, that's also a huge edge for the Bengals. And we'll get into this more tomorrow when we have a clearer look at how the injury report shapes up on Thursday when we start to get into some of the matchups from our perspective when we start to get into the game preview. But when all of these things are in play, you got to remember that for me, for this Bengals team, almost regardless of the opponent, game script is going to be one of the most important factors in determining whether the Bengals and how the Bengals can stick in some of these games for the rest of the year. Coming up next, James Rapine and Evan Sidery from Locked On Colts talk about the Colts' perspective of this matchup the Bengals have this week, and we learn a little bit about the Bengals' Week 6 opponent. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league. 
the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. And if you're a Bengals fan, you're looking forward to the Bengals defense continuing to put the clamps on Phillip Rivers and this Indianapolis Colts offense, and Joe Burrow bounce back against a non-Ravens team in Week 6. And Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football. Watching. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. It's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And let's get the skinny on the Indianapolis Colts with Evan Sidery from Locked On Colts. Evan, I appreciate the time. Let's start with Philip Rivers gets signed in the offseason. You get off to a, a three and one start. I watched uh, a significant portion of the game last week against the Browns. How are our Colts fans? How are the Colts in general feeling about the, the veteran quarterback? Yeah, after the first few weeks, it's been very very roller coaster ish, I would say. I mean, they have a lot of Chargers fans probably know that with Philip Rivers over the year. The Colts fans are experiencing that for the first time. And the first three weeks went really well for him. He led the NFL completion percentage over 75% of his throws, being very efficient too within the offense outside of that Jacksonville game in week one, where he had just two really bad decisions he made for interceptions for the Jaguars that really led to them winning that game. The last two weeks, though, in outdoor conditions and cold weather in Chicago and Cleveland, Rivers is quite frankly, James looked awful. He, he has not been able to drive the ball down the field. He's making really bad decisions again that Frank Reich and Chris Bauer mentioned that that would be a son they'd be trying to avoid moving forward throughout the rest of the season with an offensive line. Even though they lost Marlon Mack, they still have Jonathan Taylor on board there. Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins can also help out in the run game if need be. A lot of it's in place for Rivers to be a game manager. And when the Colts fall down in games, when they're asking Rivers not to be a game manager, it's been consistently proven time and time again now that he's not able to do that at this stage of his career, which shouldn't be that surprising that he's age 38, but I'll be 39 here next month. But I think it's really surprising to me, James, that at least from the Colts perspective, that they're not able to really get much going offensively. And a lot, a lot of that has to do with Philip Rivers and a lot of it has to do with just the efficiency of this offense last couple weeks. Cause it really has fallen off a cliff for rivers ever since those first three weeks where it honestly probably was due to the soft schedule. They played the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Jets, and then the last two weeks playing against the Bears and the Browns. The Bengals, of course, we saw last week did really well against Lamar Jackson, honestly. I really wonder what's going to happen this week. If they, if they stop that running game and they force Phil Burris to throw the ball around the yard a little bit, I think the Bengals could be opportun- opportunistic in that sense. Yeah, it, this offense is so intriguing to me because I look at it, at least on paper, and I get it, Phil Rivers isn't what he once was, but I, I see T.Y. Hilton. I, I see a, a really good rookie running back, and I get it. You had some, an injury there, but 
overall, it makes sense that they're at least pretty good. I, I like your tight ends. I think everyone knows that's in fantasy about Mo Ali Cox. We've known about Jack Doyle for years. And yet it, it does seem, and like I said, watching it, and again, I take it with a grain of salt because it's just one week, but watching last week against the, uh, against the Browns, this offense struggled and it, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, and it was just a, I don't know. It felt like something was off and I don't know what it is. Is it, is it T Y Hilton? Yes. He lost a step too. What, what are we looking at overall from these skill players? Yeah. It, once again, for this Colts team, like last year, injuries are just really destroying their wide receiver core right now. Paris Campbell had a PCL MCL significant sprain. He might be out for the entire year. If he, if he's not probably back until Thanksgiving at the earliest, maybe even Christmas, if they make a playoff run, this Colts team does, he might not be back until then. Michael Pittman Jr. Also had compartment leg syndrome. In the Jets game, he got hit pretty hard, and he had to have surgery the next day on his leg. So he'll be back after the bye week. This will be the last game he misses after missing the last few games due to that injury. And then T.Y. Hilton, James, I, I, I hate saying this because T.Y. Hilton is honestly one of my favorite Colts of all time to watch. But it's, it's easy to see on the field, off the field – or not off the field, excuse me, on the field. The last few weeks, and especially even the latter portion of last season, he has lost a step. T.Y. has entered that portion of his career where he's more of a possession receiver than a deep threat. Really not many deep targets for T.Y. He's had obviously a couple great moments against the Bears. He had a couple good catches against Cleveland as well, but only 200-plus yards receiving so far for T.Y. in five games. He's really just become sort of like a, a decoy right now for this passing offense for this Colts team where they can't get anything going right now. They're desperately missing Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell, and they're really trying to get guys like Trey Burton involved as well, but – if T.Y. Hilton's lost that step and you have those injuries on top of that, this receiving core is once again down, down in the dumps. And with T.Y. maybe entering in his swan song year, James, th- this looks like a receiving core desperately needs some infusion. We're talking with Evan Sider. We have locked on Colts here on our normal Thursday crossover. It's Colts Bengals this Sunday in Indianapolis. Let's switch gears. Talk about the defense. Obviously, this defense, you go out, you get DeForest Buckner in the offseason. We know about Darius Leonard, who I, I think is is good to go this week. Justin Houston, another veteran player in there. Xavier Rhodes. I mean, I, I look at this, and there are plenty of names, you know, pro bowlers on this defense. And for the most part, at least up until last week, I thought they were off to a great start. What do you think of this defense as a whole, and how good are they? Yeah, this defense has been really surprising to me as far as just how good they've been. They had a really bad first half against Cleveland, but they really shut them down in the second half, allowing three points. Baker Mayfield had 19 passing yards in the second half of that game as well with two interceptions. Even missing Darius Leonard in that game, it was surprising to me just how well this Colts team rebounded after halftime, were able to really lock in against this Browns offense. And throughout the whole year so far, whether it be the rushing defense, the passing defense, they've been really, really solid outside of the Jacksonville game in week one where Gardner Minshew went 19 of 20 and undrafted rookie running back James Robinson went off against him too. They've really settled down since then after that loss and really shown they are one of the best events in the NFL. I wouldn't say they are the best. They're probably in like top six, top seven, because when they play these good teams, they usually have a couple leaks here and there. But it's crazy to say, James, is how much of an impact DeForest Buckner has had on this defense, whether it be the front four, the linebackers running more free, the secondary having less pressure on them to make plays. Buckner really has changed the entire equation for this Colts defense, and he's taken them from an average to below average defense to one that's really above average to almost an elite defense, honestly. The amount of impact Buckner makes on almost every single snap is incredible to watch. And it sounds like to me from reading um, from Frank Reich, listening to him uh, earlier today, 
Darius Leonard did not practice as well. So Bengals fans might not see Darius Leonard again this Sunday, which means oh. that Bobby Okariki and Anthony Walker be the linebackers out there. So probably a lot of nickel upcoming for this Colts defense with Kenny Moore in the slot there. So I think they might be playing precautious here with Darius Leonard because he's nursing that groin injury and they have to buy the week after they play on Sunday. So I, at this point, James, I'd probably lean towards Leonard not playing on Sunday. Okay. So if, if he doesn't play, you mentioned those guys, that's, that's gotta be a huge loss, right? I mean, Leonard's a stuck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely a, a fall off there, but I'm honestly pretty impressed by Bobby Okariki, the third round pick from Stanford in, in 2019, because he has consistently shown that he can be a playmaker, whether it be getting into the holes in the running game, making a couple flash plays as far as interceptions go. He has almost the exact same physical measurables as Darius Leonard. So I think Okariki and Leonard together for the next decade is going to be really fun to watch in Indy. But yeah, missing your emotional energy that Leonard brings onto the field and just how much of a freak he is physically and just how fast he is for a linebacker, that type of special talent is missed whenever he's out there. But honestly, I think this Colts defense is set up pretty well against this Bengals offense because, I mean, DeForest Buckner is just the, the giant equation there. Like, if he's able to really just get, get pressure consistently, I'm not too worried about the linebackers because Buckner and Justin Houston and the front four up there have been really dominant so far. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they opened at nine-and-a-half-point favorites, the Colts did, and that's coming off of the, the loss to Cleveland. And last I checked, it was down to about seven-and-a-half. So clearly – you know, everyone favoring the, the Colts pretty, de- uh, you know, by a decent margin in this matchup. W- what do you think here? How do you think this matchup's going to play out, Kevin or uh, Evan? You think it's, uh, you think the Colts are going to handle business at home? I do. I think, honestly, there might be some struggles early on. I could see maybe Joe Burrow, if the offensive line holds up for the first few drives, get into a rhythm. And if that happens, it might be a little bit worrisome for this Colts defense because you saw Gardner Minshew, of course, in week one go off when he got into a rhythm early. If Burrow is able to do that, it could be close. But I think this Colts team is going to win. I think they win by double digits. And I think it's going to be one of those games where the Colts are going to try to ground and pound, keep the ball out of Philip Burrow's hands as much as possible, be a game manager, really try to bludgeon this Bengals defense in a submission with Jonathan Taylor and this offensive line, maybe a get-right game for this offensive line as well, James, because they really haven't been an elite unit so far this year. So maybe try to establish that dominance up front, have Taylor run the ball about 20-plus times. Rivers maybe throws around 20 to 22 times. I think this one's going to be a, a low-scoring slugfest type game. If Burrow makes it more fun, that'd be awesome to watch us as far as entertainment value goes. But I'm going to go 23-13. to 13. I say the Colts win this one. I disagree with Evan, but that's Evan Sidery of Locked On Colts. Make sure you check out the Locked On Colts podcast. And look, I think this game is going to be close. Jake and I will deep dive into this one on tomorrow's show, and we'll take a look at the defense and offensive matchups and give our predictions. At least I will, since Jake doesn't do predictions. But uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a close one. So we'll see what happens this Sunday. Coming up next, Jake and I continue our conversation with Joe Goodberry. We take a look at the top players that could be foundational pieces for the Bengals moving forward. Plus, how are they going to fix their issues in the trenches, specifically on the offensive line? Joe will answer those questions and more coming up next right here on Locked On Bengals. But first, a word from Rock Auto. We talk about Rock Auto all the time because they're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for over two decades. I've used Rock Auto, and you should too. Winter is almost here. It's the fall. Get your car ready to go. Whether you need windshield wipers, you need to replace your filters, change your oil, 
They have all the auto and body parts you need for your vehicle from hundreds of different manufacturers. So make sure you check it out because you're going to save money. Their prices are always reliably low and they're the same for professional mechanics as they are for you, the do-it-yourselfer. So why not go there instead of spending up to twice as much for the same parts? Go check them out right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. So, Joe, I know you listen to the Locked On Bengals podcast religiously, as do the rest of our fantastic listeners. And earlier this week, we had a conversation about what's the future? What's the young core for this Bengals team? And on top of that, What's the path forward with his coaching staff? And you and I in DMs were talking about, you know, who, who's a guy that this coaching staff has developed? I came up with Darius Phillips, but it was after a lot of, a lot of scratching and clawing trying to find somebody. From your perspective, at this point in the season, obviously a lot can change with, what, 11 games still to go. What's the path forward for the Bengals and who is the young core that you're building around? I think I posted it on Twitter. You look at PFS top graded offensive guys, top five and on offense and defense, and they're all the young core. And, and this, the scary part is on defense. It's three free agents or potential free agents. I mean, you got to start to wonder if Carl Lawson and William Jackson keep playing well, uh, the Bengals are going to have to make a decision there. And, and hopefully it's the right decision. I don't want to turn into a Jonathan Joseph situation where we're watching the Bengals pour resources to fill cornerback for the next four years. Um, but I, I do think those are your core guys. And, and I really would like to see somebody from the Zach Taylor era be, you know, someone they picked from 2019 and 2020 become a cornerstone player and really grab hold of that to where you're like, OK, um, you know, th- this is a product of the development and the coaching of Zach Taylor. Uh, it's funny because when we were talking about this, is, have they had a uh, like a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder undrafted guy recently. And it's like, no, they really haven't. Have they had 
And you came up with Darius Phillips. I'm like, yeah, he's gotten his opportunity. He was drafted with the last guys. But, uh, you know, he's gotten his opportunity under Taylor and Anna Rumo. So that's good. And he's played well. He's at least uh, part of the rotation going forward. Uh, and then I, I thought, well, Trey Hopkins got his opportunity also. And his development may have been previous to Taylor, though, and, and Turner. So that's hard to really pinpoint because I always felt like Hopkins had a future at some point in this in this league. So I'd like to see whether that's Logan Wilson, um, you know, whether it's, uh, I don't know, T. Higgins, if he develops and keeps going. We need someone from not just this class, last year's class, too, to really say, okay, yeah, these are our guys. And we expect Burrow to be that. We expect Jonah to be that. And those are all good things. Uh, But, you know, maybe Drew Sample turns into that. It's really, it's not great so far looking at it because I think easy picks are Jonah Williams and Joe Burrow, right? And maybe even T. Higgins is an easy pick at the top of round two, but I don't care who it is. I, we need these guys to step up and be foundational core players. I would like to see it be a day two or day three guy to make us think, yeah, there's development happening there with, with this guy, with Akeem Davis-Gaither or whoever it may be. Maybe it's Akeem Adenogy by the end of the year. But we knew this would be a growing season, a developmental season. We need to see that. And not just from the players, from the coaching staff, right? We We need to know if this is the right core of players and the right core of the coaches for this Joe Burrow era that can't be wasted. And that's the key because, you know, life comes at you quick in the NFL. And if, you know, if they waste two years of Burrow, right. And and Zach Taylor, isn't the guy and they bring him back for a third season and they bring Jim Turner back for a third season. I mean, that could cost you because then by the time you do find the right guy or find the right offensive line or right players, then Burrow's making $40 million per year. So mm-hmm. I hope that the the front office, I hope Mike Brown, I hope they have that sense of urgency from a coaching standpoint and a free agent standpoint, so to speak, because obviously they're going to have to improve the offensive line. Because if not, then this is, this is a tough situation for Burrow and a tough situation for an organization that was hoping to kind of get out of the, the, the basement of the AFC North. Yeah, that's right. And you can't think that everything can be fixed because really, year two, the window is open for the Super Bowl for your quarterback. And I, people may say, well, this roster, this coach staff. No, it's not. No, it is. It's just whether or not you can step through it and take advantage of it. The window opens next year for this team. Are they prepared to take advantage of it next year? Man, it's tough to say they are right now. I would I would agree with those people that, that would you know scoff at me at, at saying the window is open. But it is. And you have to say they got to attack free agency again. And I know it, through five games it hasn't worked out this time. But it, I, we like the guys they signed for the most part. Maybe Sands, Trey Waynes, right? We we were kind of like, eh, on that, Jake. But uh, but we did like, you know, DJ Reader. We did like Von Bell. Von Bell's been, eh. But I still think there's time for adjustment there and development to the fitting in the scheme. Point being is, you can't be like the Dolphins this year. Like, Dolphins have three rookies on that offensive line. While they're actually playing decent, I wouldn't want that situation going into next year. It seems like they're keeping... Tua on the bench until they've got this offensive line ready. It's kind of a really stark contrast. They had more resources, more picks to do it, and they were replacing some good players that they traded away like Laramie Tunzel. But I'm just thinking they're going to have to attack it like the Browns or the Bills. And the Bills are on tonight, if you're listening, or whenever this is this part is airing. The Bills went out and signed seven offensive linemen in one offseason and said, we're going to figure it out. Now the line's really good. They did the same with receiver. John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs. They said, we need guys that can separate. Let's go get quick, fast guys. And they did that. There is a path. There is a blueprint. The teams do do this when they figure out they've got the right quarterback. Uh, so it's not out of the question. 
And look at how Josh Allen has really emerged this year. I mean, this is before the Tuesday night game, so maybe maybe against the Titans he's laid an egg, and we don't know that yet, but right. through, through four games this year, he's been great. And, and you mentioned addressing this in one offseason, using the Bills as the example. Right now, the Bengals don't look to have a lot of cap room available for next year, but you do have some some pretty obvious cut candidates, I think, so, some guys that... You know, Carlos Dunlap at this point seems seems painfully obvious from a cap perspective. His cap hit goes up next year. He is on the bench this year. But the rest of the guys in the Bengals' top five of cap hits this season, this is a tweet from Blake Jewell that I really liked. A.J. Green, $18.1 million. They've gotten nothing from A.J. Green this season. Geno Atkins, $14.2 million. Through no fault of his own, they've really gotten nothing from Geno Atkins this year either. He had 19 pass rushing snaps against Baltimore, and they – they, to their credit, only put him out there in pass rushing situations, but they need more from that for a guy making $14 million against your cap. Number three, Carlos Dunlap, nearly $11 million against the cap. And, and he was fantastic late last season, and there was really no indication that he was slowing down. And suddenly, maybe, maybe like A.J. Green, maybe like that foggy cliff you were talking about earlier or yesterday, depending on when this airs, uh, maybe he's hit it. DJ Reader, ten million this year. That goes up next year, by the way, and and he's now hurt, and it, and it's a tragedy. I feel about this the way that I felt when Tyler Eifert hurt himself. I've said earlier this week, he's playing great. That's a free agent signing that worked. And then Trey Wayne's, you know, has a pec injury. He he hasn't played all year. When you're getting nothing out of the top five salary cap hits on your team, it's going to be bad, and and they need to find a way to to. Yes, they need to spend money, but they also need to get value out of that money. And so that probably means if we're going to learn anything from this year, let's let's try not to spend it on guys that, that can fall off that cliff at any moment. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it, right? Is you see the good teams and they say, Yeah, you're turning 30, 31, 32 if you're not quarterback. Uh, let's move you. Let's get a pick. I mean, we've said this last two years when the team was really bad. You, know, you should probably trade Green. You should probably trade Dunlap. You should probably trade Atkins. And we still like the guys. It's nothing against them. They're some of our favorite players. But as James said, man, the clock ticks. Time goes by fast. We were just looking at Green and, and Dalton when they were young men. We're like, man, this this window is open, this opportunity. And they squandered it. And Dalton did get hurt in their best opportunity. But the point stands. Uh, eras go by. That's it. You, you keep moving and you keep building and you keep collecting resources and you find new favorite players because that's how the league is. And it's nothing against those guys. We still love them. We still appreciate the things they've done for this franchise. But uh, it's all about trying to win the next one. And if we say envision in your head, right? Whether you play Madden and you, it's easier to envision it that way. You see Joe Burrow on the stage and he's holding up the Lombardi Trophy. Is A.J. Green next to him? No, probably not. Is Carlos Dunlap? Is Geno Atkins? No, they're probably not because it's not going to happen in the next two or three years more than likely. It's probably year, maybe year three, four, five, six that you actually get that chance, and these guys aren't a part of it. Get what you can while you can. It's hard to debate it now. I would have debated you probably eight months ago or ten months ago because I thought Burrow and Green were going to work, right? I, I thought the idea of Geno Atkins and D.J. Reader together, but – I mean, it's blown up in their faces, and I agree. At this point, you got to look to the future, and if you can get anything for these guys, do it, and then maintain that aggressiveness that you had last offseason because without that, you are 
in my eyes, you're going to be what everyone said you were nationally in February, in March. Oh, he, he Joe Burrow is going to be ruined by Cincinnati. Well, to, to prevent that from happening, you have to be proactive and aggressive. And, and I like how they started the Joe Burrow era. They need to continue that. You know, whether it's two wins this year or five, they, they need to find a way to, to continue to improve year in and year out in big ways. And that could mean coaching changes. That could mean going out. Well, it better mean going out in free agency and add alignment, things like that. Because if not, th- then you are what everybody said you were nationally. Yeah. And I think about free agency too, because they did spend money. But remember Jake, when we did this, we kind of like for one second, can we just be critical one second? We know we're all happy about the free agency, but if we could just say, why are you spending on a nose tackle? Why are you spending on a strong safety that can't cover? Why are you spending on a corner that is marginally better than Drake or Patrick? And why are you getting a guard that really nobody wants? And maybe you lost even value by getting rid of John Miller in terms of cap space and, and the trade-off there. Uh, we were critical for about five minutes and then we we're like, okay, let's be happy because they're finally spending. Well, let's get over the hump of finally spending. Let's finally spend where I think good teams would spend. And that means you got to pay a guard. And that means you've got to pay maybe an outside receiver that can separate or move or whatever the case may be. You know, and I should probably say running back, too. They spent money this year on that. So not really great positions to spend. And then if they let William Jackson and or, and or Carl Lawson go, we're going to be like, yeesh, I'm not sure the priorities are in the right way. So that's an important part of spending and free agency. Got to maximize value per dollar. It's just part of the NFL, no matter who you are. You've got to get value per dollar, and they have the most valuable commodity in football right now, a quarterback on a rookie contract. Now is the time to take advantage of it, and it reminds me of, I don't know who said this, but there's different ways that different people evaluate food. When you don't have the means, you're just happy to get calories. The next up up is is proper nutrition. The third step is, oh yeah, I get my nutrition now, but now I want it to taste good. And then when you really get that going... I want my food to not only do all those things, but also want it to look good before I put it in my mouth, right? And so the Bengals have gotten maybe to stage two or three where we're spending money, and now we need to spend the money the right way. And that is a challenge for Duke Tobin, who is starting to be much maligned in certain Bengals fan circles that, that I see on Twitter, because that's my only interaction with Bengals fans. Now I'm up in Canada, but this team has an opportunity here to get something right. And it's, it's fully up to them to capitalize on it and, and make those hard decisions. Is this the right player? Is this the right age? Is this the right position? Is this the right coach? And we'll see if they can make those decisions. And again, 11 games left this season. A lot can change. But these are the conversations. These are the topics that we're thinking about after watching that Ravens game. That's going to conclude this week. We got, we got three segments out of Joe Goodberry. And, and it was a lot of fun. Joe, like we said yesterday, hope we can have you on again in the future. Continue to enjoy that retirement. Enjoy the game. I'm, I'm sure you're going to go watch with your kids, with your family. And uh, until next time, it was great to have you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Jake, James, Joe. This is a good uh, trio here. I've done a lot of podcasts with you two guys. Uh, but you're doing a good job. I like to listen. And um, keep it up. I think you're a good uh, combination between uh, the two of you with uh, a little bit of hot take, a little bit of research and that's jake with the hot takes and james with the research that's right i'm glad you you specified that because you know i gotta simmer jake down every now and then right you know me i'm just i'm just too much too much to handle sometimes real real handful until next time bengals fans who day and have a good one
Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.